One, two, three. Good evening, everyone. Well, very late night indeed. It is Carl Cruz here for the KC at the Movies podcast for the 18th of November, 2018. How's everyone's week been? How are we going? Um, I, th- I think I said last week that this one was going to be a bit musical. Um, so... Tonight's podcast, I'm going to be talking about Bohemian Rhapsody and A Star Is Born. I've seen Bohemian Rhapsody once and A Star Is Born twice. I actually went and saw A Star Is Born again on Friday night. Um, because it is that good. I actually really, really love it. Um, probably one of the favorites of the year. Maybe. I don't know. Or both of them are. Who knows? Uh, so we're going to get... I'm not going to sing or anything, so I don't have to turn it off. I'm not going to... You know... I know I'm not a fucking great singer. I'm a great singer in the shower on the car. That's a bad fucking hit. Um, anywhere else? No. Uh, X Factor? The Voice? No. None of that. And I don't even try to do it. I, I, I consider myself good at karaoke as well, but I don't even try to do it. Um, do, you have to be, do you have to be good at karaoke? That's, that's the thing. Do you have to be good at it? I don't think you do. You think your whole goal when you go up, go up on a um, stage in a pub to sing a song that fucking everybody knows and you still fuck up the words to, I think the goal is to make their ears bleed anyway. It's supposed to be like that scene from Tenacious Did Pick a Destiny, the Master Exploder scene, blowing their mind, but instead their ears bleeding from how awful your singing is. But, you know, you have fun, you get drunk. And you, you have fun anyway. You do it anyway. And that's the goal. That is the the goal and the um, the pleasure of karaoke. So, as I said, yes, we're going to talk about Bohemian Rhapsody. Probably not in too much depth, but there is, might be minor spoilers if you consider Freddie Mercury's life a spoiler, knowing about his life a spoiler. But then again, why the fuck would you go and see this movie if you didn't know about Freddie Mercury? Um, or maybe you went to see this film because of Freddie Mercury and to learn about him. But I take it most people are fans of... Um, most of the one in saw Bohemian Rhapsody are a fan of Queen, so they, that's why they went and saw it. But we're also going to be talking about the Bradley Cooper's directorial debut, A Star Is Born, which is the third or fourth remake of the title of the same name. And we might talk about some other musical films as well. Um, I don't know, I'm really into musicals lately. Uh, even uh, musicals and and uh, films that have original songs in them. Um, yeah, I, and I started looking at all the musical biopics like uh, the Bob Dylan and the Kate Blanchett. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Walk the Line with Joaquin uh, Phoenix. And then... Um, What's the other one? The um, uh, I don't think was that a was that a biopic? The Crazy Heart with Jeff Bridges that won the Oscar for the original song. Was that was that a biopic? I don't know. I don't know if, if I'm right about that. <laughs> um, but the, you know, we might talk about other other, other things, but uh, I think we might just stick to these two. Um, Movies for tonight, 
but I might, yeah, mention stuff later. I might even mention some um, music I'm listening to right now, and I could, rec could recommend some stuff. Um, or if you heard about them, that's fine. But I'm going to start off uh, nice and easy with um, Bohemian Rhapsody. Now, um, this is technically this is directed by Brian Singer because he did most of the work, but because of um, on-set antics and his relationship, I think, with Romeo Malik, uh, he kept uh, arguments with him, I think. He was booted from the set, and um, Dexter Fletcher was asked to finish it. Now, Dexter Fletcher was in the early stages of the script, I believe, when Sasha Baron Cohen was involved. And um, he was taken out, and then when it was announced that Fox was doing it, and Singer was doing the biopic, um, he was he left the project over creative differences, I believe. Um, but uh, he was asked to come back after Singer was booted, and he just he, he his reason for coming back is he just wanted to get the fucking film done. <laughs> And uh, I'm glad I'm glad they made something out of um, what they had here. So if you don't know what the fuck Bohemian Rhapsody is, it is a biopic. Um, like I want to say it's about Queen, but it's mostly about Freddie Mercury. Let's be honest. Um, who is um, one of, if not the greatest frontman in um, music history? Um, to me, he is he is the greatest frontman. Um, of a band in music history. Uh, others can argue of that. They can give their own points, but that is just my personal opinion. The man was electric. The man commanded... The man had the crowd in the palm of his hand at almost every um, concert that I saw. Um, I had the Wembley concert on DVD, and I I would always go back and watch Live Aid, um, the, the iconic performance of Live Aid, which is in this film, which I'll get to in a minute. And uh, the way he just he orchestrates the crowd like, what, just like they're his not his puppets because he wants them to be involved in the um, song as well, and and be and be with the band there um, at that present moment. But it's like he he just controls them so well, and it's not it doesn't feel forceful because they're always they're along for the ride. And just the way he was able to do that was always so encapsulating about him. And I was always so fascinated about his bravado and his um, persona on stage, but also his how he acted on off stage as well, um, which is very different to when he act, to what he did on stage, um, because he was a bit of a private man, and he also it also got into a lot of mischief as well. Uh, but when he was on stage, that's when he could really fully felt he could express himself with his incredible voice. I've never heard vocals like his in my life. Um, I also think he's one of the best vocalists to live. Um, and I, honestly, my favorite vocalist. So, needless to say, I'm a massive fan of the band Queen and Freddie Mercury himself. So, going into this, I was very, very excited. I was... Pretty pumped. Did not myself up too much because of what happened behind the scenes and everything. We, what would, you know, knowing about Sasha Baron Cohen's kind of his ideas and everything about going for, uh, fully R-rated. And then we're finding out that, you know, Fox wanted to do PG and how that could go. But I was always, I was always holding out hope that they could, ev they could just make a good biopic about, you know, um, this fantastic human being um, and the band that he fronted. So, did I get that? In spades, yes. But also, 
there are some there are some flaws here that I have to address. Um, I just want to start off by saying, for a film about mostly about Freddie Mercury. Now, when I when I say about Freddie Mercury, I just mean that come on, like everybody's not like you know Brian May, Roger Taylor, and um, Deacon, but everybody's going to see Freddie Mercury. This is the biopic they want. They're seeing it's about Freddie Mercury. He's in most of the film anyway. It starts with him. So it's really about Freddie Mercury. And um, that's where everyone's going for. No one's going to see, you know, Brian May and Roger Taylor fucking chill out for a minute. And, um, you know, do their stuff. They do have some good moments in the film, but I'm, I'm, there for, I'm mostly there for Freddie Mercury, even though I do pretty much enjoy all of Queen's music. And have been a fan for a very long time. Um, but I will say, yeah, them going PG, it's pretty, it's a very formulaic film. Um, it's very by the numbers biopic, very vanilla. And for a film about this man that got up to a lot of things, yeah, it's very, it's very vanilla. It's very kind of white bread. And, um, you know, you do, you do some scenes, some scenes where he gets you know, in, involved in a few um, sexual encounters with a few people and has all these lavish parties and he has, you know, his lifestyle is kind of highlighted in some scenes, but it never really delves into how he um, kind of dealt with his private life other than his um, best friend, Mary Austin. Um, and there's all sorts of things I learnt in this film that I didn't really know about him as well. Um, I will say that the films that um, gave me that he really fucking loves cats. <laughs> this dude loved fucking cats. He had a room for just about a room for every cat he owned when he um, was living in that big mansion. He had a room for like every cat. So I had no idea the man was into cats that much, but he fucking loves cats. Um, and I had an inkling of the relationship he had with Mary Austin, but I didn't know it like went this far. And I'll get to talking about that in a minute, but that was also really a, uh, such a wonderful part of the film. Um, but I'll just get to saying, yeah, it, it's it's very run by numbers, it's very formulaic, it's very vanilla, it's very um, straightforward. Um, this happens, this happens, this happens. They play at the pub, they get they get famous, blah blah blah, tour tour tour, break up. You know, you've seen it all before, but this time it's about Freddie Mercury and Queen. Um, and, um, you know, I, so, so, you know, sometimes I didn't mind that. Like, I kind of had the thing in the back of my head saying, oh, I wish that we would see more here. We wish we could get more depth into this here. But at the same time, I was kind of just like, yeah, I really, I like what they're doing here. This is what they're building. They're building, they're obviously building a crowd-pleasing film. It's, it's definitely, you know, it, it topped the box office in the weekend it came out. And they're building, they're definitely building a, um... A crowd pleaser, and that's what Queen are. Queen are a crowd pleaser, and um, Freddie was a crowd pleaser. So, but I just wish the film had a just just in personal opinion, just had a bit more edge to it. Um, maybe stretched its M to the bit. We get Freddie fucking Mercury in one bit, but you know, just just a just a bit more. I think I could have used. But I was, you know, I was, if I'm going to be honest, I, I really enjoyed myself and I, I um, would definitely see it again. 
Um, it wasn't too much of a um, it wasn't too much of a uh, letdown. So I'll say that. Um, it's got a great soundtrack. Obviously, you're listening to Queen songs the whole time, so it's going to have a great fucking soundtrack. But I also really like the sound design as well in some certain sequences when he's, um, there's one on a farm when they're on the farm and recording the um, Night of the Opera. And um, he's doing, he's playing the piano and he's it's a bit of a cappella's coming out. So they've definitely mixed and sampled a few of Freddie's a cappella vocals, which have been... Um, uh, kind of been around on YouTube and you can try to kind of get them. Um, I'm sure they had other means of accessing them, but um, you can definitely find that on YouTube. If you haven't heard um, the acapella version of Under Pressure by Freddie and Bowie, wow. Uh, do yourself a favor and uh, listen to that because his vocals, it just goes to show how incredible his range is as a vocalist. And... Um, it just fucking blew me out of the... When I first listened to that, uh, the acapella version of The Pressure, it was incredible. Fuck, wow. Just wow. <laughs> it was it was so fucking good. Um, speaking of Under Pressure, I really wish it did... Uh, I, I, I really wish it, 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 it had uh, more attention in the film. Um, maybe, maybe not getting someone to play Bowie, maybe that's a bit too soon for someone to play Bowie, but like, maybe just a bit of the recording process, maybe of just Freddie doing his bits, because all we hear is just like a little bit of it in the background, and that was kind of like a pretty big part of when they made Hot Space, so I really kind of, uh, you know, I, I I wanted a bit more from that, and because I, I really enjoy Under Pressure, I think it's a fantastic song, um, a great duet for these two incredible vocalists, and um, it was—it's a great song to show off their range as well. And it's also—it was also—it's also just a fucking banger. And it's a great to play at parties and stuff. Um, it's always funny when you're playing that bit, and everyone's going, "Oh, ice ice baby!" And then you go, "Nah, sit down, ditch. It's fucking under pressure." And then uh, I remember I played that. Um, it's a funny little story if you want to indulge me for a minute. I remember I played, uh, went to, I was at a party and um, I put it on and everyone's, you know, freaking out. They're going, oh, I was a baby. Oh, how dare you? I'm like, oh, all right. And uh, it started playing the extra instrumental, which is what Under Pressure has. That's the difference between that and I was baby's openings. Um, it had the extra instrumental and the... And then you hear the pressure. Yeah, after that. They're like, what the fuck is this? And I was like, haven't you heard this? And then they were like, what? This, like, this is not Ice Ice Baby? And I was like, oh, they're copping Ice Ice Baby. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I was like, mate, this is where he was. it came from. This is this is the OG right here. This is... Um, this is Under Pressure by Freddie Mercury and David Bowie. How, you know, and then, you know, you enlighten them, um, you know, not to brag, but enlighten them and, uh, you know, they enjoyed it. We had a good time and we, um, didn't really sing along, but, uh, you know, we had a good time of it. So I, I, I did, because there isn't, I think, I think it was Hot Space. There's, there's the interview sequence where they're at the table and Hot Space's album artwork is behind them. 
Um, so I thought the under pressure bit was going to come after there, but we only really hear it in the background, and I would just wish more attention was given to it, to be honest. That's just a personal thing for me. Um, but also another personal thing for me was I also was really glad that I'm in love of my car got some love, um, which is a great song off um, Night at the Opera. Uh, it's like it's just such a weird but awesome song at the same time. Um, I think it was, I think it was Roger's song. I think he wrote it because um, there's a scene in the movie where he's just like, "Oh, you're doing your song about loving your car," and then he, and then Brian May's doing the song about his best. You're my best friend. And uh, I just love that. I don't know. It just got a little bit, you know, it, it was such a small bit, but I just loved how it got some love because I really enjoy that song. <laughs> as much as much as it's how ridiculous it is in the title, how ridiculous it is, but I just really enjoy that song. Um, the guitar riffs are really good too. So I was happy that um, that got some, they got some love. Um, and before I get on to the, pretty much the best part of the film... Um, I just want to talk about something else I wasn't really happy with either. Um, now this could be, this, I think other people share the same opinion as well, but it seemed like Freddy was, seemed to be blamed for a lot of things throughout the film. And, uh, especially his solo album that he released. When, uh, Brian May and Roger Taylor brought out two solo albums before he did bring his out. So no attention was given there to what they did first. It's all fucking Freddy's fault for some reason. And, I don't know, they always seemed like they were the victims the whole movie. Like, I don't know if that was part of them being the producers and putting that, you know, that input into it. But it just seemed like sometimes it was always Freddy's fault and it was never their fault. Whereas sometimes Freddy wasn't even, well most of the time really, Freddy wasn't even doing much to even, um, you know, antagonize the group. And it was always his fault, and they were like, oh, they were always the victims. They were always, they were, oh, you know, we're the ones getting attacked here. And I just wasn't, I wasn't, I just wasn't. That didn't jive with me, as the, as no one ever fucking says. Um, that didn't. I didn't really like that. Um, now, anyone, I know some people that do share that same opinion that they do think there's a bit of just like, I don't know, more light shot shown on like Queen being the good guys here. Um, the member of the the other members of Queen being the good guys here, but I just yeah didn't like that at all. And also there is a factual inaccuracy um, at the end of the film. Now this could be considered the minor, minor spoiler. So because if you didn't know about Freddie Mercury's life, uh, he died of AIDS, unfortunately, and he mostly kept um, he mostly kept it a secret until his death. In the film, however, he gets diagnosed, and remember, 19, 19, so Live Aid takes place in 1985, I believe. Um, let me just look that up for a second, let me be correct, I want to nail it. I'm pretty sure it took place in, took place in 1985. Yeah, 1985, I was right. Now, that takes place in 1985. In the film... Now, if you want to click off here, because if you consider this a minor spoiler, that's fine. You can click off and I'll try and find a timestamp and put it there for you so you don't have to listen to it. In the film, before the Live Aid concert, Freddie tells the band he has AIDS. 
and it's during a, I believe it's during a rehearsal before the Live Aid concert. Now, in real life, Freddie wasn't diagnosed with AIDS until 1987. And, I don't know, I just didn't really... That could be something that people would just be like, brush over and be like, well, they've got to change some things for the film, but I don't know. Like, why would you change something like that? I don't know, I don't know why you'd change something like that. Is he playing the Live, live Aid concert because of his AIDS? Is he, is he playing the Live Aid concert because he wants to, you know, this is his last hurrah? Well, pretty much is his last hurrah, but... Is that the reason? Like, why put that before... I just don't know. I just don't get why they put that before the, the Live Aid concert. Him telling the band. Because that never happened. That never happened. I'm pretty sure they didn't know about it until his death. Um, so I wasn't really... You know, normally I'm pretty loose with factional inaccuracies, but that kind of... I think because I'm such a big fan of Queen and this man, Freddie Mercury, that... I don't know, that didn't really... I don't know. I didn't really like that at all. Um, I don't know if anyone else shares that kind of uh, opinion as well. Um, that one as well, same as the other one. But, yeah, I just didn't really... Wasn't a fan of that. Again. Um, but let's get on to two, two of my favourite parts of the film. Now, my first favourite part of the film is his relationship with Mary Austin. Um, wonderful. Lucy Boynton. God, I love her. She's incredible. Um, I first saw her in Sing Street, and when I saw her again here, I was just like, oh, that's fucking... And I couldn't really obviously say it in the cinema, but in my brain, I'm playing it over and going, fucking Rafina from fucking Sing Street. <laughs> um, so she was really good as Mary Austin, and that really... Their relationship and their dynamic was just so... Uh, it was so wholesome, and, and it was also so emotional at the same time. Um, like he would buy a house and then he would, he bought her the next house over. He told her about his, you know, him being bisexual or homosexual. Um, eventually we'll asking, he was married to her for a short time, I believe. And then, you know, they break up, she finds someone else and yeah, he buys the house and then he buys the house next door for her so she can look into him. She was always looking out for him and he was always looking out for her. And I don't know, that hits me on a personal note because, um... To be honest, I get along with uh, females better. I have a lot of really good female um, best um, best friends and I really get along with. And I ha have a, such a special relationship with those people. And uh, they're pretty much one of the, some of the most important people in my life. And that kind of reminded me of my relationship with uh, my female friends and how great it can be to have that kind of relationship. Because they can be, especially with the film, the song, The Love of My Life. Because love of your life doesn't have to be, I mean, it can be your partner. It can be, it can be someone you're in love with, it can be someone we're with. But love of your life can also be just a friend. Someone that you connect with on a very emotional or spiritual level or anything like that. And someone that you can just never ever live you can't even imagine, fathom, living life without. Um, so that, yeah, that, that really got me and that really um, reminded me of, of, of those relationships that I do have in my life and that I treasure um, very much. And the second best part of the film 
is the the best part of the film to me is the live aid sequence at the end. I mean, why wouldn't it be? Uh, it's incredible. It's it's incredible. This is going to be the film. This is going to be the scene that's going to be replayed, replayed over and over again. There's already comparison videos out of people recording it at the cinema and putting it next to uh, the actual live aid footage from 1985. And there's just striking, striking similarities because they're pretty much the same thing, and they fucking nailed it. I've got to say, they fucking nailed it, and Rami Malek deserves a lot of praise here. Um, in terms of production design, I've got to say, the Pepsi cups, I was looking out for them. I was looking out for the beer, the one cup of beer he has on the piano. Um, I was looking at the two, so there's two logos of Live Aid at the back, and there's, I found them, the two logos of Live Aid. The costume design is absolutely immaculate. Uh, I was looking out for Freddy, but I was also looking out for Roger Taylor in the white kind of tennis looking gear. And Brian May with that shirt. And, uh, you know, you got the crowd as well. The stage. Production design, A+. Uh, Rami Malek, fucking A+. The the kiss to his mum, the thumb kiss he does. Uh, when he f starts, you know, playing with the cameraman and he does the thumb, the look back at the thumb. Uh, he does, I love, I love that. Uh, the look through the legs when, when he's crashing on the ground. Rami Malek fucking nails it. He nailed that bit, and that that's why that sequence is so... Those last, uh, what, 13 minutes are so exhilarating. Because they fucking nailed the Live Aid sequence. And, um... I gotta say, that just that, that bit alone is incredible. Oh, man. Rami Malek just fucking blew me away, man. <laughs> he blew me away. Um, it does start off a bit... You know, um, as people would say, wig and teeth. But when Rami Malek really, really puts it to work here and embodies Freddie Mercury, he doesn't act as him. He embodies Freddie Mercury. This is a performance that I'll never forget. And he'll probably be nominated for Best Actor at the uh, Oscars, but I don't really... You know, that's probably... That could be a given... Maybe not. I don't know. I think he does deserve it because he he just becomes... He, he's not Rami Malek acting as Freddie Mercury in this film. He he is Freddie Mercury. He has become Freddie Mercury. And to me, that is such a high... You know, such a high praise of what he's achieved there. Um, so much effort put in. Um, it all paid off because he looks incredible. And he acts, and he moves like him too. When even when he was moving like him, the little the hips, the microphone, just every all the mannerisms, just incredible. Like I just couldn't take my eyes off the screen. And uh, I think that's what I that's all I'm gonna say. Like it's a very if I if I had to sum it up. It's a very run by the numbers, formulaic biopic with some, with a fucking great soundtrack, it's Queen obviously, and some really, really good moments between him and Mary Austin, the Live Aid sequence, and just some other stuff like the recording of Bohemian Rhapsody as well in the studio was really cool. And, you know, stuff like that. Um, there are things I didn't like have been mentioned, I didn't like those things, and I will stand by those things, I didn't like those things. So this film is not perfect to me, but to me, it's it it 
services as a decent Queen biopic and a fantastic performance from Rami Malek as Freddie Mercury. So go check it out if you're a fan of Queen. If you're not, do some research and then go watch it because it's a really... I think... Because you'll still have a really good time at the theatre. I mean, ending with Don't Stop Me Now and The Show Must Go On. Just... Thank you. Starting with Somebody to Love as well, which is my favourite... My personal favourite Queen song is Somebody to Love. Um, it used to be Don't Stop Me Now, but over the last couple of years, it is now Somebody to Love for some reason. Another underrated Queen song that I'll say is... Um, 39. Great, great Queen song. Really cool concept, too. Uh, right. So that's Bohemian Rhapsody. Let's get on to something a bit more meat and bone. Uh, especially talking about Oscar's buzz. Let's talk about A Star Is Born. Uh, the Star Is Born, I believe, is the third remake of this same thing. Um, everyone will probably remember the Barbra Streisand and Chris Christopherson version uh, from the 70s. There was one before that and one after. So it probably is the... Well, it'll be the fourth um, iteration of the film, but it's the third remake. But it's the fourth iteration of Thoros Born. Um, and I've got to say, this film crushed my soul. <laughs> Uh, the first time I watched it, uh, it really, really got me. And then the second time I watched it, it got me even more. The second time viewing was even better than the first. Um, where do we start? Uh, the chemistry between Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga is just... It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. You feel for this couple. You feel that these people are in love. And you feel their you know, ups and downs and what they've been through. And you, and you know that it's... It, it feels like a real relationship on screen. Um, and I've got to say, that's that's a really high praise for something that, when you're trying to portray a relationship like that, that is, I will admit, happens a little, a little too fast. And it's like, certain things happen like that. Um, i got to say, I still really, really loved it. Um, the songs are fantastic. Uh, I love the songs. Shallow, especially. Now, the Shallow is one everyone's probably been talking about. It's on every fucking radio station and every um, video music channel. Uh, music video channel, sorry. I like on Foxtel and stuff like that. It's everywhere. Everyone knows about it. People are probably sick of it. But I first experienced it within the film, and I still love it to this day. Uh, I've been playing the soundtrack for days on end. Um, and I also... One, one song I really also loved was uh, Remember Us This Way, that uh, she performs, Ali, who Lady Gaga plays, performs at uh, one of the concerts in the film. I don't know, I just really... Yeah, that song is also really emotional and powerful to me as well. Um, even though I don't even have a significant other, but... Your boy has emotion, I'll tell you that. <laughs> he, has, he has a soul. <laughs> Can be broken. Um, it's really well directed by Bradley Cooper. This is this is a really, really, really good directorial debut from Bradley Cooper. He has written a great screenplay as well with Eric Roth. Um, there's some really great moments between Ali and Jackson in this film. Uh, Bradley Cooper has the 
He plays the uh, films, uh, the music star Jackson Maine. I haven't even talking told you the plot yet. So what it is about, before I get into more fucking things about it, Jackson, Bradley Cooper plays Jackson Maine. Now he's an alcoholic. Um, he's a struggling... He's kind of a washed... He's not washed up because he's still getting really good gigs and he's playing in front of people, but he's slowly declining into this mess of like an alcoholic and a drug addict. But he's a really well-known country rock singer named Jackson Maine. And Lady Gaga plays Ali, who is working at a restaurant and occasionally sings French songs at the uh, the um, the uh, gay bar that uh, she um, attends or goes to, that people go to. And in the film, Jackson, after coming back from a concert, goes to one of these gay bars, meets her friend. Her friend introduces to her after she sings a wonderful rendition of, I believe it was something... That was a fucking French song. I should know this shit. <laughs> the fucking film two times. Um, I'm not even going to tell you what I'm searching up, eh? It's embarrassing. Something in Rose, or something like that. Something in Rose. No. Uh, it'll be on my it'll be on my Spotify because I've already downloaded the album. Some Viva Viva and Rose Viva and Rose. Um, just indulge me here for a minute. Holy fuck! Sorry about this. Ah, Lavi and Rose. That's it. Lavi and Rose. That song is fucking beautiful. And she did a fantastic job. Lady Gaga has such an incredible voice. Now, don't get me wrong. This role is tailor-made for her because it's, you know, her better singer. But her voice and her range, I have never really appreciated it or taken any notice of it really before. But I've got to say, after watching this film, she blows, blows me away. And she has one of the most incredible voices I've ever heard from a female vocalist. Um, and I've got to say, I appreciate everything she does now. Um, after watching this film and, and doing a bit more research on her after watching the film and watching some of her live performances she doesn't fucking she doesn't wing this shit um, she puts in 100% effort pretty much every time and her vo her voice is just incredible uh, so yeah he finds her after that after coming back from a concert finds her in the bar and then he says she, he finds out she's a songwriter and then he takes one of her gigs and then she sings one of the... She sings The Shallow or Shallow. I think it's just Shallow. It's not The Shallow. She sings Shallow with him on stage, which is a song that she was trying to kind of writing in her head. And then things go from there and I'm not going to say what happens then. So she blow... They, you know, blow up and then it's kind of the ups and downs of their relationship and, and things happen. And uh, that's how vague I can really get <laughs> with it, because I don't want to give it away, because... Ooh, this film's heavy. This is heavy shit. Um, so Bradley Cooper's great. He, I, I see a Best Actor Oscar for him. Um, best Actress, maybe, for Lady Gaga? I don't know. I really hope she didn't get supporting, because she's not supporting. Um, but I do see some people saying she'll get... Maybe get maybe put in supporting, but she's not fucking supporting. She's a fucking lead. Um, you know who you know who was who is supporting though. 
and is fantastic in the movie. Sam Elliott. Yeah, that fucking dude. Eagleton Ron from Parks and Rec. <laughs> Holy shit, this dude blew me away. This dude made me cry like a bitch. He has a very... This scene will probably be played at the Oscars if it does get Best Picture nomination, but I do see it getting a Best Picture nomination. Um, he has a scene with Jackson, Bradley Cooper's character, in a car. And he gets out, and Jackson gets out of the car, shuts the door, and all Sam Elliott does, his character does, is drive away. He just reverses back in his car, and he drives away. And that's all. And it's one shot. It's one shot. And that's all it took for my heart to go, nah, fuck this shit, and just get a noose and just hang itself. Um, because it reminded me a lot about my relationship with my own brother. And... And just it was just a fucking powerful sh just expression that he had on. I'll, I'll never... It's ingrained. It's ingrained in my mind. Because it just... It was so deeply sad. And uh, I really felt it through his acting. So I really got to get the Sam Elliott for this. He, also, he has some really other great scenes as well. Particularly talking about uh, near the end. He has a really good scene. And then he has... Um, I really like his... He swears a lot too. Eh? He swears like a fucking sailor. He's no eagle to run on this one. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, just, I, just want, I just have to acknowledge Sam Elliott's performance in this film. Because it's... It's one of the best I've seen all year. Um, so I love the songs. I love the story. I love the characters. I'd see Shallow... I see a Best Actor nomination for Bradley Cooper. I see a Best Actress nomination. I want to see a Best Actress nomination for Lady Gaga. And I want to see a Best Supporting... I really want to see a Best Supporting Actor nomination for Sam Elliott. And yeah. And I'd probably see Best... Original song nomination for Shallow. Um, or, or I Will Never Love Again. Maybe, probably Shallow though, because it seems to be the most famous one. It's getting all the attention, so I'd probably say Shallow. Um, so it's a great, it's a really great film, um, but it doesn't come without its flaws. Um, it can feel a little too long at times. It does go for 2 hours and 15 minutes. And there are very important events that take place during their relationship that are kind of just glossed over quickly. And there's not a lot of time given to them. Um, I feel like there could have been more time given to a certain fucking event that happened. Um, but it's very, just very quick and oh, uh, off, and we're off to the next thing. So, you know, that, that can feel a little jarring. Um, I will say that. It's, pre it's pretty predictable as well. Um, and there's one thing that really stood out to me as well. Now, people would have picked this up as well. My friend actually picked this up and she's... Um, really, and she likes, she doesn't really analyze the film as much as I do, but even she picked this up. Um, there's a very obvious foreshadowing shot in the beginning of the film with, um, some items that have to do with an, an event later in the film. So I, this is how vague I have to be because I, if I, if I like spill just an inkling of what this means, it's just going to ruin the film for you. So, I'll just say there's a very obvious foreshadowing shot. Now, there's two shots of this. There's a very prolonged shot. And then the second shot is just a very, just maybe three second like, shot of those items within the frame. Uh, and Jackson's in the shot as well, in 
and that's what kind of puts on the idea of foreshadowing. It's very on-the-nose foreshadowing. I will just say it's very obvious and on-the-nose foreshadowing for what happens. And I just didn't... Yeah, I, I picked it up... Like, on the first watch, I kind of acknowledged it, and I was like, hmm, okay. And then I looked it up, and then it kind of talked about it in the trivia section of IMDb. And I was like, okay, well, I did pick that up. And then the second time, I really noticed it. The second time, I was like, yeah, okay, that's... Yeah, maybe they could have been a bit more subtle about that. So that that's like a nitpick, but it kind really stands out to me now because I'm just like, yeah, that's kind of really gonna people are gonna know what's gonna happen if they really pay attention to it. So I'll just say that bit of a warning. It's near the beginning of the film. I'd say the first five ten minutes. Look out for it. Jackson's in a car going down the road, um, and he's on he's on his way to to the gay bar actually. So yeah, I'll just say that. So, you know, just a couple of flaws, but, you know, no movie's perfect, obviously. Um, but overall, it's one of the best films I've seen all year. Again, I would never think I'd say a film filled with music is one of my favourite movies of the year. This is one of my favourite movies of the year. Is it La La Land or Over Again? Well, we'll fucking find out. Maybe, I don't know. We'll find out. But it's a very wonderful, well, very well directed, put together film with some great performances and an exceptional performance from Sam Elliott and some really, really great songs that has an impact at the end that will, you know, you'll want to listen to the soundtrack for days or you want to cry. <laughs> do, one or the, do one or the other. Um, so I really recommend A Star Is Born. It's probably, st it's still playing at places... Um, so definitely go see that. And uh, again, yeah, go see Bohemian Rhapsody as well. That's still playing. Um, even though A Star Is Born came out and Venom's out. Venom is gone, but A Star Is Born is still going. That's that's what's going on. That's what's still, you know, that's what's still going on here. But I just want to bring up something important. That kind of like a question that's kind of been digging at my mind ever since watching A Star Is Born with, with uh, a couple of friends of mine. My friend mentioned after she saw A Star Is Born that she didn't like it as much as I did. And she felt it was because it was hyped too much. It was too hyped and that kind of um, doubted her experience of the film. And I had a thought about it afterwards. And I do I do agree that if you overhype yourself too much, if you, if you hype yourself up too much for a film and it lets you down, it can feel really shit. It can feel shitty. So I try not to, after doing that for uh, a couple of movies that I really wanted to see, I try not to do that as much anymore. I try to just remain, I try to be, I want to be like, well, I'll see when the movie's coming out. But it's always, it's also good to be hopeful that a movie is going to be good. I always hope that when I'm going to see a film, I always hope that it's going to be at least enjoyable for me, a great experience. Um, or a, at least a good experience and just a good movie. I always hope for a good movie. I never hope to see a shit movie. I never hope to be. A, I never hope to see a disappointing film. And I had to think about it the the because um, we almost were on Friday night with her. And I had to think about it over the week over this weekend. And I just wanted to bring it out to you guys. Do you think? That if a film is hyped, it can really ruin the experience of watching. If a film is overhyped, it can ruin the experience of watching the film with 
especially with other people as well, because then she had to go out with, well, I, you guys liked it, and I felt like I was kind of left out because, um, you know, I didn't really like it as much as you guys. Well, you know, and you know, th that's okay, because I enjoy having the discourse with um, people that, you know, don't like the same films as I do. I always enjoy the discourse because that's why I love talking. That's why I love this this industry, and that's why I love talking about film, because it allows me to have these conversations with people. And you know, first of all, I analyze movies. I watch good movies. I watch bad movies. But then my second favorite part of doing this is talking to the people and having a discourse with them about what they didn't like and what they did like about the film, and add, add opinions and if they clash or not, and you know, and what, what kind of compromises we probably can come to um, about a certain film. Sometimes there's no compromises, and sometimes we end up disagreeing, and that's fine. Because artists, again, I feel like I have to re-read this every time I talk about a fucking movie. Art is subjective, and people are going to take it in different ways, and interpret it in different ways. So, that's kind of like the question of the week. Can, have you ever been, has, has hype ever killed a film for you? That will be the question of the week. Has hype ever killed a film, a movie-going experience for you? Or a kill the film uh, viewing. Um, I'll probably put I'll probably put it on Instagram if you want to um, answer answer it. I'd love to get it through the DMs, and I'll if if I grab your permission, I'll mention it on next week's podcast. We'll talk about that question. Uh, I just think it's a really interesting question, and uh, it encourages a lot of discourse as well. So uh, that'll be I'll I'll put that up maybe on Instagram or Facebook, and we can talk about that. Uh, before I go though, so this has been a very la 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 musical time. Um, <laughs> maybe not. Maybe you've just been listening to a fucking uh, overtired asshole for um, almost forty-five minutes. Um, I've had a big week. I've had a big, not a big week, but a big weekend. Really, yeah. Long day at work. <laughs> I just want to give you guys some recommendations of some films that I've seen that are a good, um, especially musicals. Um, I've, I've, obviously, I'm going to say La La Land because that's one of my favorite films of all time. And my number one in 2016. So La La Land's good. But again, I watched it last night. Uh, Sing Street is a really, really enjoyable, almost triumphant film from uh, John Carney who did Once and Begin Again. And this is kind of his third film and his like little musical trilogy. I do enjoy Once and I do enjoy Begin Again, but Sing Street is my favorite of his because it has just such has such a good soundtrack and it's a, a soundtrack I play on and on and on over over and over again. Uh, Driver Like You Stole It probably be my favorite song. We've, we've probably whew, Up being the second, maybe Up or To Find You being the second. But probably Driver Like a Soul is such a um, motivational song. It always, every time I'm feeling shitty or anything, I chuck that song on. Now, it doesn't always do the trick, but it makes me feel a little bit better. So, um, yeah, I've got to say that's a great film to watch. It's about hour and 40. Not even that. Um, doesn't go too long. Doesn't Not too short. Doesn't drag on too long. It's a really good mix, and it's got some great performances in there from... Um, I always forget the lead actor's name because it's a really thirtier. I'll just say thirtier. Um, it's he has like two last names. Jack Rayner is good as the brother as well. 
uh, Lucy Boynton, her, my first time discovering that beautiful woman, Lucy Boynton, as uh, Rafina. And then you got uh, Eamon, the rabbit guy. <laughs> God, he's great. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, you got everybody else. Uh, even the bully who is, does fucking terrible things in the, in the beginning of the film. Uh, he ends up being good as well. And um, I enjoyed him. But the songs... Song about what, what, what stuck to me about Sing Street is the relationship between um, Connor, who Ferdia plays, and uh, Rafina, Lucy Boynton's character. Their relationship... It's pretty... I will admit it's pretty fast as well, but I still really enjoyed it. And the songs are just fantastic. They're, they're so good. And you, and uh, a nice ambiguous ending. Uh, my favourite. <laughs> uh, not always my favourite, but I don't really mind ambiguous endings. However, I did experience one last night that I don't know if I'm too sure about. Maybe I think I needed more from that one. That was like an ambiguous ending I needed more from, I think. But I'll discuss that in another podcast. I think I need to prepare that with another film. Um, I don't know too sure what next po- next podcast next week's podcast will be about, but it probably be. Oh, I might even be about widows, maybe because I'm hoping to go see widows on Thursday. Anyway, back to musicals. Um, no one else was here on Saturday night. None of my family was here, and Mum wanted to watch, but Mamma Mia and Mama, the second Mamma Mia. And I've never seen them, so I sat down and watched them. Uh, they're terrible, but also fun at the same time. It's weird. Uh, they're really, really shit movies. I didn't enjoy them. Uh, sorry, I, I didn't like them, but I enjoyed them. <laughs> but I still had fun. It's so weird, I know. Uh, I had so many problems with the characters and everything and the plot, and I was just like, you know what, just give in to it. This, this film is ridiculous. And uh, the second one's even more ridiculous. Uh, I will say the first one's better than the second one. Um, Here We Go Again is just much more inferior to the, um, the first one. Even though Lily James is in it, and I fucking love Lily James. Um, one of my biggest little... Uh, one of my biggest little Hollywood crushes, Lily James. She's fucking gorgeous. Um... I would say that, yeah, but, but I will say the first one's better. I don't know, musicals for me, really, ever since watching La La Land in 2016, I've really come around for musicals. I used to be the one that just goes, oh, no, that's, you know, I don't believe in that, or that's not fun. Um, it's kind of stupid. You know, I was like that. I was pretty in denial about it. I was just like, well, that's just, that's stupid. I don't want to see that. I don't like singing. But now I love singing. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I guess that comes with self-expression as well. Um, especially seeing Bohemian Rhapsody that Freddie Mercury is also a huge inspiration for me of um, expressing myself and being who I am and becoming who I am today. Um, he was, I will say that he is, I will cite him as a huge um, in, uh, influence on who I am, who I've become. Because he really, yeah, just he, he really inspired me. Um, so I, I will say that, you know, coming to love musicals does come with me growing as a person and, um, you know, trying new things and, and, um, and finally respecting those things, especially with Lady Gaga before I was just like, oh, no, I can't, her music is shit. I can't relate. And after seeing A Star Is Born, I want to see 
I want to see her videos. I want to watch her live performances. Because I've come to, you know, things that I was in denial about, I've come to, you know, come around for and enjoy and no longer fucking talk shit about them. Which, you know, I'll be honest, I did. So, um, in terms of musicals, like, I know I, I really love Chicago. That was great. I finally watched the Rocky Horror Picture Show. That was fan. That was really good. I was going to say fantastic again. You were going to fucking buy me a Coke. Um, that, yeah, that was good. Um, Hairspray's great. Rock of Ages is such a great guilty pleasure. Um, I got around to watching, re-watching Grease, because I watched Grease when I was younger, and I was just like, oh, it's a fun movie with John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John. And then I watched the film again as an adult, and I was like, these songs are incredible. Um, cheesy as hell, but such a good time. Uh, and what else I, you know, I went in, when I, when I was, uh, I think I was like 15 or 16, I went and saw a production of Guys and Dolls. And uh, I really liked um, some of the songs in there, particularly Rock the Boat. But I didn't really, I, I feel like I didn't appreciate it as much as a musical, even though people cited it as one of the best musicals I've seen. So I really want to go back. It, it's weird. I want to be my 20, almost 22, I turned 22, not next week, the week after, 20th of November. I want to be my current 21-year-old self who has grown and appreciated all these new things and jump into my 15 and 16-year-old self and experience that thing as my current soul, if you know what I mean. We're getting a little spiritual. <laughs> We're getting a little spiritual. But, I don't know, I want, to, I want to see that in a different light, but I want to go back because I don't think I'll be able to see it again unless I, you know, go to a show... Because I don't know when I'll come back to here again. I'll have to go to, I'll have to, go to Broadway or something. Because um, I, I I enjoyed the plot, and I enjoyed the songs, but I I feel like I didn't fully appreciate them. Like I come out saying, "Oh, that was fun," but I can't remember any of the songs, and I don't remember the characters. And with these musicals I've seen recently, I love the songs, and it's the songs and the characters that always hook me. So, yeah. I would just say that. I want to do that. That would be a really cool thing to do. If we ever figure out in the future a machine that allows us to put our current consciousness into our past self, that would be really cool. <laughs> uh, quote of the week, I guess. I don't know. Um, so, before I finish off, um, what I want to do is I want to like kind of delve into my what I've been listening to mu musically uh, recently. Now it's not really too much; it's not crazy, but I really want to give some recognition to a few albums I've listened to um, recently that have been really good, and I really enjoyed them. Um, you know, I'm going to the Arctic Monkeys in March. Uh, I can't believe I'm saying that, but I'm going to the Arctic Monkeys. I'm going to two shows, the Arctic Monkeys. Um, and I'm just absolutely ecstatic about that, so I just wanted to get that off my chest. Go on the Arctic Monkeys. Hurrah, hurrah. Love it. Um, now, what do they get around to listening to? So in terms of rap or hip-hop, uh, Vince Staples' album, FM, is so good. It's The whole album, to me, is really, really good. 
really great. A great concept as well of wanting radio and really showing appreciation for radio. Even though radio nowadays to me in Australia anyway is shite. Um, uh, excluding Triple J though, they're still playing some good stuff. Uh, but mostly what I listen to, I mostly just listen to my aux cord now and play Spotify. Most of my Arctic Monkeys playlist, if, if I'm being honest. Um, but Vince Stables' new album, FM, is such a re- it's such a good time. It's only 22 minutes long. And each song's about maybe two or three minutes. And it's just awesome. Good, great beats, great production. Vince Staples holds his, holds his own. He's got great um, flow on most of the songs. And he's got really cool vocals. El Sweatshirt has a really cool interlude. And he just brought out another song. Um... He just brought another song a couple of days ago called Nowhere to Go, and that's also really good. And, uh, yeah. So I really want to give a um, shine some light on that. Listen to that. If you're a fan of Vince Staples, his new album is great. I love it. I like it more better. I like it more than Big Fish. Uh, Big Fish Theory. Even though I did like that album as well. But some of those, some of those songs to me were a little redundant. And I'll say that this whole this whole album I can just listen to all the way through because I like all the songs. Um, now my brother my brother and I share something in common. We both like um, Canadian trap artist, rapper, pop rapper. I don't know what he is really. Tory Lanez. Um, we kind of share that in common. He kind of got me into him. I do like his um, some of his pop songs and his and the pop rap he does. Um, so, you know, the new album, Love Me Now, is pretty enjoyable. I haven't, don't really like all of the songs, but most of the songs are pretty good. Um, uh, particularly, obviously, Talk To Me, uh, Drip to Drip. Uh, She Told Me Was Good Too. I also like Ferris Wheel, Miami, and Keep In Touch. And also Candle Jenner Music, which is just abbreviated to KJM. That's really good too. I really enjoyed that album. Um, some bummers on there, but... You know, what are you going to do? Like, I'm not really a fan of Trap, anyway. Uh, I've been listening to the Sorry to Bother You soundtrack. That's been good. There's some really cool songs in there from The Coop, which is Brutes Riley's is, uh, kind of um, hip-hop group. Um, particularly, um, Hey Saturday Night's good one. And What the Girl Motherfucker Wanna Do with General Monet. Love General Monet. Uh, so that was good, and the first song with uh, Lakeith was uh, good too. I can't really. Is, is it just Oyawit? O y a h y t t. That's a yeah. It's the song that goes oh yeah, yeah. That you know what I mean. Uh, and I listened to obviously listened to the Star Is Born soundtrack that is been on repeat, like just nonstop. Um. And Rosalia's new album, uh, I believe it was, uh, what is it, Elma Quira, I'm sorry if I'm butchering that, but she has one of the best voices I've ever heard, so powerful and emotional, and she's fucking, it's in, it's, it's in Spanish. And I still enjoy it. I still love it. Um, I listened to her previous album, Los Angeles, a couple of months ago. And just loved it. Loved the whole thing. And then I found out she was bringing another album. It's a bit more poppy than Los, An- Los Angeles. 
a bit more poppy, there's a bit more pop beats in there. Uh, but I still love it all the same. Um, her voice is still there. She's incredible. And I'm in love. <laughs> That's simple as that. <laughs> it's uh, simple as that. I also got to um, uh, shout out my uh, friend um, Lily. She's part of a band called Clues. They brought out a new song, Crushed. It's really good. That's probably one of the best, I think, from them. I've heard... Now, you've only got Crushed a Museum on Spotify. Uh, but... Um, and I've heard some of their other stuff at um, heaps of gigs. I've been to heaps of their gigs. But I will say, yeah, Crushed, I think, is one of the best so far. It's a really, really good song. Tasty. And their vocals are angelic as fuck. Um, when are they not? So I'll say that. That's probably is playing on Triple J right now, but you can go on Spotify and check it out. I just want to shout out because she's a good, um, she's a good friend and uh, she has an amazing voice. So is her sister. So that's bringing it to an hour. Isn't that great? Uh, we reached it. Uh, I was supposed to put this out at midnight anyway, so I've kind of gone on me a little bit here. Uh, so I reached an hour, so yeah, hope you enjoyed. Um, Bohemian Rhapsody is still out, go check it out. Star is Born still out, but it might be probably going quick. So go check it out if you want to go see something, see one of the best movies this year, in my opinion. And uh, check out any of those movies that I mentioned, uh, particularly Sing Street. I watched it again last night and it still holds up and I still fucking love it. Um, definitely check that out. And John Carney, Begin Again also is really good too. So if you want to check out John Carney's stuff, once Begin Again and Sing Street, just watch them all in a row, really. Get them all out of the way, but Sing Street is definitely still my favorite. Uh, yeah, so I might be back next week or the week after. I don't know because I'm not really sure what the next podcast will be about. Probably Widows because I'm going to see Widows on Thursday night or Friday night. Um, and Creed 2. I might wait till Creed 2 comes out and do Widows and Creed 2 in one thing. Um, usually I like doing the double thing. Um, it's like I was going to do... I was going to do, because I watched Miss Education at Cameron Post last night. I was going to do that with Boy Erase, but I haven't been able to get around to watching Boy Erase yet because the sessions here are fucking shit. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much asleep when the sessions are on, which is in fucking, you know, which is 10. Now, it's quite pathetic, I know, but, you know, just let me live my life. Uh... What the fuck was I saying? Uh, yeah, so I wanted to do that as a double thing, but I might wait till I get I get around to watching Boy Erased maybe later in the year, maybe um, when it's streaming or something like that, and pair them together and, and watch them um, and kind of review them in, as, um, you know, two things and look at some similarities and differences because they're both about gay conversion therapy camps. Um, one's male and one's female. That's the difference. Uh, in terms of protagonists, really. So, yeah, um, I might come out with that next week, week after, not too sure. Um, Widows and Creed 2, I'm really looking forward to Widows. I, um, Steve McQueen's a great director. Um, my favourite film from him, fact, a uh, little fun fact, is Shame. Shame's a great film. And, uh, yeah, Creed 2 I'm looking forward to. Love the first one. And I'm really looking forward to see what they do with the second one. Hope it's not too... You know, not too silly. Hopefully they still stick to it and make a decent sequel. Uh, solid sequels have been a highlight of mine. I really like solid sequels. Uh, we've had Incredibles 2 this year. And I'll say it, The Equalizer 2 was a decent sequel. Um, Sicario, Sicario Dead Soldado as well was a decent sequel. 
So it'd be cool to see that. Check them out. Guys, enjoy the rest of your week. Go see these movies.